Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house into which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There, make ready. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. May God add His blessing to the reading of the Word. You may be seated. This morning, I'm going to ask you to take a journey back in time with me. Back before this century. Back before... All the world wars of last century, back before the Reformation, before Napoleon, before the Inquisition. Keep going back in history, further and further back, before the crucifixion of Christ. But not much further back, about a day. And I want to share with you the scenario that is happening with Jesus and his life and the culture of what's going on in Jerusalem. It is the time of Passover, as this passage says. It is the night in which Jesus is going to share his deepest heart with his disciples. He's going to wash their feet. They're going to eat a Passover meal together. And Jesus is going to institute Holy Communion. But what you may not know is before any of that can happen, the Passover meal and all the preparations for these things have to be made ready first. Jesus is a wanted man. He cannot move around in public in Jerusalem. He hasn't been there for months because if he had shown his face, they would have arrested him. He cannot go to the house where the Passover is being prepared and wait because people would see him and report him. He cannot tell his disciples where they are going. One of them named Judas wants to betray him and he will tell the authorities where to find him. So Jesus cannot reveal the location of where he's going to eat. It will not work that way, according to Scripture. But that conspiracy to kill him is in place. Judas has already met with them. He's just looking for an opportunity and to know where Jesus is going to be. And then he's going to go tell them where he can be arrested. At this time, Jesus will be dead in less than two days. But he still has some work to do. He hasn't yet said it is finished. There's still some more things that need to happen. But he knows it's time to move the last events of his life ahead. Things have to be done and they have to be done orderly, properly. And it has to be done according to the scriptures so that they might be fulfilled perfectly. But as I said, there's a problem. 
Jesus is a wanted man and these things have to happen in the city of Jerusalem. But the good news is there's thousands, if not tens of thousands of people who have come to Jerusalem is required to celebrate Passover. They've come from all over. So there's some sheltering, shielding, if you will, in a crowd, but not enough. Because the authorities have already set a deal and struck a deal with Judas. And who knows who else that if you see this man, we need to arrest him. So let us know. The problem with all the betrayal is Jesus is not sure, according to Judas, when Judas is asked by the temple leaders where he's going to be to arrest him. They ask Judas, where's he going to celebrate the Passover meal? And Judas says, I don't know. He hasn't told us. And so they said, well, when you know where he's going to be, come and tell us. It's almost time for that to happen, but not yet. And since Judas cannot go and know where Jesus will have that meal ahead of time, he has to wait until Jesus goes there and then reveal his location. Now, on this particular Passover, of all Passovers, it's a crucial event with the Paschal Lamb, the new covenant that Jesus is going to establish with the blood and the bread, or the wine and the bread, if you will, call it his body and blood. He's going to establish that covenant. He's going to wash their feet. We talked about that last week. He's going to take the lowest servant role in the house of washing feet. He has to do that to show the extent of servanthood and love that he has. If you're not uh, familiar with the depth of that, listen to last uh, Sunday's message. He's going to talk about his father having many mansions in his farewell address. He's going to talk about how to know that he, they are loved, how Jesus is going to be with them, how he's going to give the Holy Spirit. He talks about all these different things, the story of the vine and the branches. He's got to tell it. This is where it's going to happen. He begins to call his disciples his friends in the upper room. Before then, they're just his disciples. He's going to spend time in the Garden of Gethsemane praying sweat drops of blood. He's going to be arrested and all the sheep will scatter. As the scripture says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. That has to happen. And it has to happen soon. But before it all can happen, the meal, the Passover meal has to transpire for it to start. But it has to be prepared. You got to cook a meal before you can eat it. And this meal must be eaten. So how's Jesus going to get this meal ready and arrive without being seen? What can be done? What can he do to let the disciples know where to go and yet not let Judas know? It's a quandary, but he has the answer. This is critical because these two disciples that he sends, Peter and John, cannot be noticed or arrested. Jesus has the place in mind where this is to be, but he can't go. Not until all the city in Jerusalem is ready to dine. Because it is said, at sundown is when you begin to eat. So at sundown, 
all of the people are to be in their respective places eating their Passover meal and it begins to be dark. This is when Jesus will arrive. This is when Judas will know where Jesus will be. So how is he going to tell the disciples where to go? You can't say it's so-and-so's house because Judas will hear it. And how, is it, how are they going to get there without being followed? What way can this happen? And Jesus also needed to know who he could trust to go prepare, to not be detected, and to have a surefire way to get there without any hiccups in his plan. Who could he trust to get this job done at this critical juncture? <laughs> Who could he trust with history in the balance? Salvation history, our redemption history must happen that night and set it up. So he tells the disciples, we read it in 22. When you go to the city of Man, meet you carrying a pot, pitcher of water, follow him into the house, which he enters. Some of the scholars say, well, they went to Mark's house. If they'd have known, he could have said, go to Mark's house. Some say, well, you know, he, he, he already, they already knew where they were going, but he still had to do it secretly. So that's why they said this. But that isn't the case. He says they will see somebody carrying water and they will go into the house that he enters. They said it would be the homeowner. Some people said that. But the fact of the matter is when they get there, they're supposed to tell the homeowner that they've come to prepare the meal. So, the one carrying the water is not the homeowner either. Now, this sounds kind of easy, right? Just find this guy, follow him, you know. It's going to be easy. But you understand, hundreds of pitchers of water are being carried that day. Hundreds. Some this size. Some bigger, some smaller. On the front of your bulletin, there's a man carrying a pitcher of water. Some are lighter, some are heavier. But water is needed for this particular meal for cleansing, purification, preparing the food, washing feet, washing hands, all those things. And so many times a person will go and fill the water at the well in Jerusalem and then carry it back. It won't be just one person doing it one time. It's hundreds of people. After all, tens of thousands, if not a hundred thousand, have gathered in Jerusalem for this particular feast. So if there's hundreds of people coming to get water, which, which dude are you going to follow? How are you going to know? You're going to meet a guy. Well, there's probably a hundred guys walking around in that city or more at that time. How am I going to know? Just some guy carrying water, right? Well, let me take you to modern day Haiti and how this story plays out there today. In Haiti, water is a commodity. There is no running water in many places there. No plumbing. So every bit of water has to be carried. And for many of the villagers there, it's a mile, two miles, up to nine miles to the source of water that it has to be carried. And everything that a particular family needs is carried back and forth throughout the day. Every day. 
water carried many times a day. And what happens in Haiti is kind of like what happened in Jerusalem back at the time of Christ. They had a lot of children in Haiti in a family because mortality rate of children is high. So they had a lot of children. But they, they looked over the children and they picked one. And they said, you're going to be the one who carries the water while the rest of the, the family and your siblings get to go to school and get educated. They will have a chance to succeed and move away from this place and move on in life. And they say to that student, to that, i sorry, child, you will fail at life according to life's terms of education and success. But you will succeed at serving your family. Day in and day out, that will be their job for the rest of their life. And they know that. And they do it faithfully. It has to be done. Long hours, long life work. And if they don't do it, it won't get done. And they have to do it faithfully. The reward they have will be the thanks from their family and a reward in eternity as well. Because Scripture says, if you give even a cup of water in my name, you will by no means lose your reward. And Jesus, when he separated the sheep from the goats, said, I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. And they said, when? When did we do that? And he said, if you've done it to even the least of these, you've done it to me. Enter into your rest. So there was an eternal reward for carrying water like that. All day long. As I said, it was that way in Jerusalem at the time of Christ. One person carried the water. Someone was chosen from the house or from the slaves, if they had them, to do it. But there's something I haven't told you yet. Carrying water at the time of Christ was strictly a woman's job. Nobody else would do it. If a man did it, he would be shunned. He's taking a job that would make him socially unacceptable. And yet on this day, it says there's a man, probably a young man, carrying water all day for his family. Back and forth all day long. Hmm. And I think... That he did this every day. Except for the Sabbath. But he would do this every day. And because it was a demeaning, self-depreciating life, he began to be shunned and ignored by the authorities and other people who saw him as less than desirable person. Socially unacceptable, disgraced, unwanted in society. <laughs> this is the kind of person Jesus hung his history on. His character was to be faithful, carrying water day in and day out. He may have been unaware he could even lead other people in such an important task.
So the disciples go to Jerusalem. Just inside the city, it says, when you enter the city, a man will meet you there to well. Hundreds going back and forth to fetch water. The disciples see maybe a long line there. Maybe just a single bucket. May take some time to get that water. So how are they going to know which guy to follow? Jesus said it's going to be a man. And they will follow a man. All the rest getting water are women. So even if the authorities recognize the disciples, they're going to see that they're waiting at the well and they're going to see who they're following to see if they're going to Jesus. They're going to see him following a man carrying water who they dismiss as unworthy. They will dismiss this following as not something important because the disciples would not associate with this man either. So they know that Jesus wouldn't be around this man either. So they know they're not going to Jesus. And the fact is, they weren't. (laughs) They were not following Jesus and they weren't going to him. To the authorities, he was a water boy who was unsubstantial and inconsequential in their eyes. But you know, he was far from that now, don't you? He gets one verse in all the scripture. That's it on the screen. One verse. He showed up to carry the water at the well as he always did. He was sent by the homeowner. He was faithful in the menial in what we would call the trivial behind-the-scenes details of life. Totally and unquestionably reliable. This is the kind of person Jesus uses. The one who will be faithful to do even the small stuff without complaint, but faithfully, day in and day out. The kind he can count on to bear even just a cup of water in his name and not feel like they are failing Jesus, but rather serving him. You see, Jesus calls us to succeed at serving him and others may see that we're failing at life by doing so. Did you know that's the same kind of person Jesus still looks for today? Faithful in the mundane, in season, out of season, despite public opinion, doing the necessary and almost unnoticed because it needs done the right way every time. He's looking for people like that. People who don't need the glory, who don't require it, don't need the recognition, but say, I'm doing it because I love Jesus and I love people and I can do this. It may not be much, but I can do this. Jesus says, as simple as a cup of water. And who couldn't do that? Who couldn't carry a small cup of water and give it to someone and say, in the name of Jesus, I present you with this water. Because if the person is thirsty and you've done it in Jesus' name, you've done it unto him. And we say we can't do much for him, but he says that's enough. And you won't lose your reward. 
for doing it, but gain it. The water boy did it right. (laughs) Jesus trusted him with the fulfillment of Scripture and his own life he put in that man's hands. Can Jesus count on you to be humble enough to do whatever it takes? Can he count on you to bear a cup of water in his name? Are you willing to fail at life and succeed in serving regardless of public opinion or circumstance? If your answer to that is yes, then this morning I have a challenge for you. asking us for greatness. He's asking us for faithfulness. He'd rather be seeing us obedient and faithful than great things done. Great things may happen, but that isn't necessarily what he's after. just a small cup of water you will take it's enough but are we willing to do whatever it takes regardless of the ask regardless of what it looks like to the world around us regardless of what other people might say to us while we're doing or might shun us are we willing to serve like that. The man who carried the water was publicly disgraced. But he carried all of our salvation history on his shoulders. But to win his job that nobody else wanted to do. So this morning I'm going to ask if you're willing to take a cup of water in his name and let that cup symbolize to you your willingness to do whatever it takes to come, get a cup, and I'll pour water in you. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do at this time after the word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, the example of one verse, a nameless, faceless gentleman, and yet, You established your kingdom through him. And he probably didn't even know it. And we certainly don't know it when we're doing things for you that establish your kingdom. But Lord, help us to be faithful in what you've asked us to do. I pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen.